Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm Margaret Vasquez, your host with my co-host, Father David Tuckerhoof, and our topic for today is prayer. And so we're actually um, titling this podcast, Prayers Versus Prayer. And we'll, we'll explain a little bit about that. And um, we're just glad to have you with us. Glad to have you. If you're a returning listener, if you're with us for the first time, welcome. This conversation, um, there are a couple of personal experiences that I had that um, came back to mind and led me to think that we should really talk about these things, Father David. Um, the first one was when the COVID lockdown happened, which I'm sure we all remember with great affection, <laughs> being facetious. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, of course, we weren't having masses and we weren't able to even get in the churches, really. And then finally, in the, I was living in Steubenville, as, as were you at the time, and the Steuben, um, the university, Franciscan University, decided uh, finally they were able to have um, Eucharistic adoration in the Finnegan Fieldhouse. And so the chairs were really spread far apart, you know, all the social distancing and everything that we had to do and masks and everything and hand sanitizer and wiping chairs down and on and on. But I remember when it was announced and boy, it went through the grapevine, you know, without, without really any way to get word around. And yet people were texting and calling like, Oh my gosh, there's going to be Eucharistic adoration. And I thought, this is going to be the only place in the diocese yet where people will be able to get to, to Eucharistic adoration. This is the Finnegan field house is going to be so full of people. I better show up way ahead of time. I better get there, you know, half an hour, at least ahead of time. There's going to be standing room only, you know? And so I go up the, the next morning, the first day of adoration. And as best I recall, there were, there was the friar who exposed the blessed sacrament and one or two other people besides me. And I mean, that was it. And that's how it went for the next several days. And, um, and it was very difficult for me because, um, I, I, I felt judgmental, you know, like, where is everybody? And, um, and then I finally realized, like, I really think that, um, that quite often we, we just don't really as regular as lay people, we don't get any formation in prayer. We don't get taught how to pray. And so a lot of times people have a difficult time going to adoration, even if they have the time, even if they have childcare coverage and all of those things, it's still difficult for people to, to go and spend time in front of the blessed sacrament. If it's not a structured holy hour where, you know, these songs are going to be sung and these prayers are going to be prayed and this talk is going to be given. Um, I think that's hard for, for people. And a lot of times, um, I think for people, it means, take your rosaries, take your mercy chaplet, take your, 
um, your prayer book or your spiritual reading and or your scriptures and go and and sit there and generate thoughts, you know, maybe journal. And, um, and we don't really get taught how to pray. And, and I can say, honestly, like my only exposure to being taught how to pray was when I was in the convent and going through formation. And I re- actually remember being a really little kid. I say really little because I started kindergarten at four and my parents, the kind of the mentality in our family was with if you're old enough to go to school, you're old enough to stand, sit, kneel at the appropriate times and not be crawling all around the pew or around the kneelers. And so um, if I started kindergarten at four, I know this would have been prior to being four years old because I remember this very distinctly. I remember crawling around on the kneeler <laughs> at mass. So I must have been three. And um, and I remember the priest kept talking about praying and how people should pray, people should pray. And, and I remember thinking, why does he talk so much about that we should pray, but he doesn't teach us how. So, um, so I guess together those two thoughts, those two personal experiences lead me to, um, in some conversations I've had with friends recently, um, friends, just lay people who, you know, who got married, but very, very actively practicing Catholics. And yet the kind of the conversation came up that people don't get taught how to pray. So I thought that'd be a, a useful conversation. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about the difference between prayers, praying prayers and, and prayer. So which we, so I'm going to get you to kind of, def, kind of say, um, something of, about prayer. What is, what is prayer maybe? Well, I believe you're right. It, the, the, the whole thing is it's prayer is not just caught, it, it, but it's taught and, uh, People need to know how to do it and what, what it is, so that they have the internal freedom and the spiritual freedom to be able to to, to uh, relate to the grace they're given from the Lord while they're in the presence of the Lord to pray. So that's important because basically prayer is going to be based based upon the dynamism of grace that a person's experiencing from the Lord's gift to pray. So praying is a gift. In my pastoral experience. Over the years, over the over 50, 60 years, the hardest thing in the renewal movements was to get people to have a personal prayer time. They 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 just would uh, they would ride the the waves of the gifts of the spirit and the experience of the renewal and the group prayer and everything else. But to to, to develop a a personal prayer time was one of the last things in the world that they want to do, especially men, because men are so project-oriented and accomplished-oriented. They'd get there, and they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know how to put themselves in the presence of the Lord. And and then after a week of trying and putting a lot of volitional willpower in it without very much success and not experiencing anything, then they would get discouraged, and they would gradually— so when you'd ask them, you know, have you developed a personal prayer time yet, John? He'd say, well, Father, you know— I tried it a while, but it, it was so dry, it didn't work, and I wasn't sure how to do it, and I, I wasn't sure whether I was really sensing the presence of the Lord. It's really too hard for me to do that. I'd much rather say a rosary or a chaplet or or read some books, and, and, and I know this for women. Women just love to go to the prayers that all the saints have made and everything else and get those prayers out, and they are always giving you prayers to say that somebody else prayed. But see, now for women... Well, I'd say you're really a relational person. Why are you not 
taking advantage of the of the gift of grace that you're receiving and the personal relationship of the presence of the Lord and developing that relationship, which is prayer. So I think the question that a lot of people where it comes down to is like, how? Like, how do I do that? How do I put the prayer cards away, put the prayer book away. Not to say any, not to say that any of those things are bad. Those things all have their place and, and can actually be jumping off points for, um, if, if you pray through it slowly and then just set it aside and let your own heart go to the place of an authentic communication with the Lord and, um, communication, right? So that would be a two way street, not just talking to him, but listening to him as well. And so, um, so how do we do that? And, you know, I'll just share a little, um, nugget that, that has helped me. This was a number of years ago in confession. And instead of being given, um, you know, go pray three Hail Marys or pray, you know, decade of the rosary or, or some prayer, the, the penance I was given was to go sit in the presence of the Lord. I, I mean, for me, that's easiest in, in a chapel. That's the easiest, but I know the Lord's everywhere, right? Because he's within us, but um, go sit in the Lord's presence and be available to him. And there was something about that word being available to the Lord that, um, that was really good and really helpful because it, it took the pressure off. It was, I don't have to go sit there and conjure up, devout things to say or holy feelings or, um, even hearing the, uh, you know, a word from the Lord or, um, you know, in a sense of, uh, of prophecy or word of knowledge or anything, but, um, but just kind of open, open my heart to the fact that his heart is open before me and, um, and be there with him who's being there with me. And that's, that's all the pressure there is that there's not, there's no pressure in that. You don't have to make something happen. You don't have to make all warm, fuzzy feelings happen, you know, and that just that concept of being available, you know, we kind of, we can, we can tap into what that means from other experiences. If, if say, if you have a job where you're on call, you know, you have to be available, right? So, so you don't get preoccupied with other things and you're, you're ready and you're in that spot of um, just kind of holding space, I guess, would be a way to say it. So being available, um, just the notion of that was something that was useful to me in terms of kind of, um, yeah, just a, a jumping off place for for prayer, which is simply communication with the Lord. Is there anything that's useful to you when you're trying to, maybe trying to quiet your heart or get yourself in that space of sitting prayers aside and praying? Yeah, I, I would say this. The First of all, it, it's being available starting from that point. Uh, it, it also implies a certain surrender that you're willing to set aside distractions and other things. So there's a whole specific practical things that people need to be taught that's go- that's going to come when God who wants prayer more than we do and wants to be 
close to us and wants to be in union with us in prayer and wants us wants to be present to us in the prayer, not just in intellectual thoughts about God or intellectual prayers about God, but really wants to have that relationship. The re- prayer is a relationship that opens up, and so there's that availability has a, a surrendering dimension to it. I need to surrender, and then I need to know what it, what's it like when God's present to me and I can feel his presence and I'm aware of his presence. And then what I need to be taught is, well, then how do you have a conversation with God. How do you speak to the Lord about what's going on with you? Not to solve your problems necessarily, but to move forward in in prayer. And then listening, that has to be taught. You need to be taught. A person needs to be taught how to listen to what God does and how he communicates with us. See, So the first is conversation. That's the first thing. That, and I always believe this. One of the things you teach first about is, can we have a interior, personal conversation with God when he's present there? And the conversation is the fact that if you're walking down the street and you've got a lot of things on your mind, you're not just walking down the street in a, in a blank, blank ta- kind of tabula rasa, nothing going on, no thoughts going on. You're walking down the street, and you're talking to yourself. So you have a built-in natural talker where you talk to yourself. Well, when you sit in prayer and you make yourself available and you are open and being authentically present, that gives God the opportunity in grace to start to touch your talker and to kind of be present there. So where, And all of a sudden, the biggest surprise I had after I had converted my life and it was renewal and I was in the chaplain and the chaplain at Franciscan University in the early days, <clears throat> and I had gone through this conversion experience, and I was sitting in my office, and I felt this this push, this gentle little push and inspiration to go and pray. And well, so the so twenty feet away, and in another section was the Eucharist. So I walked up. I walked up to the uh, Eucharist and I stood in front of it and I could feel the presence of the Lord there. And all of a sudden, uh, I felt like when I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, okay, how should I pray? What do you want me to pray? And uh, he answered me back. And he said, in this conversion, I have given you the gift to pray with people for healing. I want you to use the gift of prophecy, and I want you to come to me frequently in personal prayer so I can develop a relationship and union with you. I was shocked, absolutely shocked. I'd gone through the seminary. I'd studied theology. I heard talks and prayer. I was already in ministry for a couple years, and I didn't even know that that was possible. Because when that starts to happen, the conversation happens, what occurs in grace is the feeling, the spiritual feelings, which are good. They're not just emotional things. Feeling of a communion. And communion leads as it grows and develops to union. And the God's purpose for our prayer is to come into a beautiful union with him in a profound way that makes a difference and brings change into our life and brings us the holiness that we yearn for. So it's 
It's interesting, like as you're talking about, we have a we have an internal talker. I'm thinking we also have an internal listener too, right? We have that. Um, we have the ability to receive that information that we're saying to ourselves. You know, oh, I better get going, or you know, it's time for me to do this next, or whatever. So we have the talkers, the talker. I think as generating those thoughts, but we have the we have the listening aspect too, right? And so it's kind of like God takes a we, when we surrender, I'm going to go back to that notion that you used. Um, God can take over the airwaves, right? He gets airtime instead of just us. But I like that notion of, I guess I, I, I think the notion of surrender is very interesting. It's something that used to aggravate me when I was, when I was a novice in religious life, when I was in, um, in the convent. And because it it was frustrating to me, it was like, what what does that mean? What does that look like? What does surrender look like? So, um, yeah, what does it mean? Like, how do you do that? Okay, I want to surrender. Like, what does that mean? And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to get you to comment on this, if you will. I guess what I've come to kind of understand it as is um, giving up my, my plan, my agenda, my um, – you remember going into the – prayer at one point and it's like, okay, Lord, I want to work on these things and these things and these things. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a counselor for so many years. When, when you're a counselor, you, you're working with somebody, you come up with a treatment plan, right? These are the things that need to be worked on, you know? And it felt like the Lord said to me when I was saying, okay, I'm going to work on these things and these things and these things. It felt like the Lord said, I don't need your treatment plan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay. And I took that to mean he had his own, you know, obviously not idea, but like perfect, (laughs) perfect wisdom, understanding of what exactly needed to happen and needed to transpire. And he didn't need my suggestions. And, um, so that's kind of what I guess I go back to is like in terms of surrender. I don't know if that's accurate because I still don't, not sure I've ever figured out what they meant when they would say, you need to surrender, you need to surrender. But I welcome your thoughts on that notion of surrender. So first of all, you mentioned about making yourself available. That's the first thing. And then there's an inner surrendering and there's an awareness that comes of presence And the primary focus of the presence is God making his presence felt to you or make you aware of his presence. Then once you are touched by that presence, we're human beings. And so we we relate to God as a human being. We don't relate to God as some sort of a a pan-spiritual being whose feet have left Mother Earth or something like that. We are a human person and God understands are the dynamism of us because he's created us and he's wired us for communion, particularly through prayer. However, we need helps. So if, if it's good that you have an inspirational book that you're reading and you come across a passage that's really meaningful to you and you're saying, oh, that's beautiful, oh my, and you're really touched by that, well, then you you reflect on that and you stop and you take that and you ingest that into your heart in your awareness and availability. And then then you turn to the Lord and then you let the Lord give you the uh, his opportunity of communicating with you about that through a deepening understanding. An inspiration may come, a locution. That's what 
when God talks to you, that's what the church calls those locutions. And then you respond to that. And then out of it comes the awareness of a deepening of this communion and an and and effective feeling of closeness and belonging and special. And as you grow in that, then your prayer life takes on in maturity, and you actually, it's you know, you have to fight dis- distractions all the time. That's what it's. That's just being human. But that underneath it all is this this ability that God has given you to enter into a deeper deeper communion with Him and advance in maturing in the gift of prayer. So I guess if if we had to sum up three points that we've just kind of gone over as. Um, uh, maybe the Cliff's notes on on, on prayer because obviously you know John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila have a lot more to say on this. But I would say a good starting point would be being available to the Lord, surrendering our agenda to His agenda, and then using prayers if we're going to be praying actual words that we're borrowing from other people, chaplets, rosaries, novenas, what litanies, whatever then we we move from those words into a place where um where we're able to let the lord kind of unfold the beauty of those notions that that really kind of strike us and grab us and and allow him to communicate himself more fully to us because when he does that obviously there's grace that comes with those it's not just you know kind of intellectually pretty like reading poetry or something there's a there's grace because he's creator so so i'm gonna gonna i think a, a neat way to end this would be the first reading from today that you were sharing with me before we started the podcast here because it's so perfect and it just so to me it's the essence of prayer so i'm just gonna borrow paul's words so it's letter of saint paul to the ephesians and i just really quite think this sums up the purpose of life. But um, so this is Ephesians 3, starts with 14. Brothers and sisters, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you in accord with the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love how it talks about knowing what is beyond knowledge, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Obviously, we know that in Scripture, knowing is that that sense of intimate communion, right? Being like knowing, like when Mary said, how can this be? I don't know man, right? So I haven't had intimate communion with him. I haven't had intimate sense of, haven't had intimacy. So he wants us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, right? So to have that intimacy with Christ that's beyond what our brain can generate, right? So, so thank you for joining us. Um, hopefully that, that'll help you give you, um, little more information on prayer if you've never gotten formation in prayer. Um, And 
of course, John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila are wonderful resources if you're looking for um, for a lot more on. There are plenty of spiritual writers who actually write on the whole topic of of prayer. Um, thank you for joining us. And if you want to get more connected with what we're doing, uh, Father David Tickerhoof has a book available on Amazon, Evangelizing Catholic Culture. And my books, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma and Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love are on Amazon as well. And we're starting to do parish missions. We, I guess we have one coming up in the middle of November um, out in Palmyra at Holy Spirit Catholic Church. I'll be posting that on my website to let people know about that because the church very generously is opening that up to, to everybody. So God bless them and just ask you for your prayers for us and for all who attend that. Thank you for joining us and may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.